0: Last week, uh, we started looking forward to Easter um, and uh This is the second week of kind of a three week ramp up to Easter Sunday. Um, And we're looking at um, Jesus um, being called the anointed one. Um, You were only anointed uh, if there was a purpose. Um, You weren't anointed just to be anointed, there was always a reason. And in the Old Testament, you anointed prophets and you anointed priests and you anointed kings. And Christ um, fulfills each of those offices as a part of what he does on the cross. And so last week we looked at King and how um, his kingship is basically the remedy for our own corruption, the fact that uh, we were born into a situation where sin uh, affected every single part of us, our emotions, our spiritual connection to God, our physical bodies, um, and every single part of those different facets of us was infected by sin, it was discolored and so Jesus, the King, comes in, and he is um, given authority over over everything, um, whether we're talking about the universe, or we're talking about uh, government, or we're talking about you know uh, the way that the earth moves and stuff like that, or if we're talking about our, our own lives, that um, he has come and he has set things right in our hearts, and so we have this new heart, but now our our flesh is trying to figure out how to work with this new heart, and, and we just have some issues. And so we need the same Jesus that holds the universe together to come in and say, hey, I, I can help you with this problem, uh, with this sin issue that you're working through, because I have authority over all that. So he was anointed um, to serve as the king, and as the king, he has authority over everything. And so last week we were kind of acknowledging the fact that a lot of times we kind of have things that we like to uh kid ourselves into thinking he doesn't have authority over. And just kind of bringing those things out into the open, uh, and saying, Jesus, as my king, I need you to be my king, especially over this area. So last week was king. Tonight is going to be prophet, and uh, this, one, this one's this one's going to be kind of fun. So let's go back to Colossians one, which is kind of where we've been uh, as a starting point the last couple weeks, and um, we're gonna we're just going to look at just for a few minutes. Um, Jesus, the prophet. Uh, Old Testament prophets kind of get a bad rap because uh, a lot of what they had to say was not necessarily positive. Um, they had a, a tough message to deliver. They, it was tough to say and it was tough to hear, and a lot of times it was not received well, which then had personal, you know, struggles on behalf of the prophets because it's tough to bring a difficult message and then to have it rejected is kind of bad too. And um, the Old Testament prophets are an interesting bunch of guys. If you ever, you know, get into looking at kind of their life history and what they've been through and stuff, um, and there's a number of ways that you can go when you start talking about Old Testament prophets. But I think the way for us tonight is going to is to think in terms of of revelation, that they they came and they were anointed with the purpose of revealing, that God would speak to them things that they needed to then reveal to the people. On behalf of God, um, and so they were were constantly revealing um, who God is and what He wanted to do and what He wanted what He wanted them to do and kind of His plan. And um, so then Jesus comes. Jesus is a different kind of prophet because instead of of uh, of God telling him what to say, He was God, so He just kind of said it. And that's why um, you know when He's teaching, sometimes you would you see Him say. Um, he would say, you've been told this, but what I tell you is this. He had this, this authority. So he never had to say, thus saith the Lord. He just said it because he was the Lord himself. And so um, he is, just brings this unique um, aspect of being a prophet into things. But if we think in terms of him revealing, uh, there are pretty much two, two things, I think, for us tonight to focus on. One, he reveals the truth about God. And second, he reveals the truth about us. That's what Old Testament prophets did. They just revealed the truth. But Jesus comes and he reveals the truth in a a pretty pretty unique way. Let's look at the first one, that he reveals the truth about God. Look in Colossians 1, kind of where we've been lately. Verse 15. He's the image of the invisible God. Okay? So right there, he's the image of the invisible God. He wasn't sent... Um, well he was sent by God but he wasn't like uh, receiving the words from God to then pass on he's the image of the invisible God that word image it, it literally means what you think it means I mean he is him and so while you have this this God that you've never seen before here is God in front of you that you can see so this is what God this is how God acts this is how um, this is his character this is his Um, his personality, this is his heart, this is everything about God um, that you would want to know in a way that you can understand, which is by just looking at another human. And all these things that are invisible we can't understand, he just kind of like pressed them on to this person, said, okay, you can't relate to who I am because you'll explode, um, but you can relate to a person. So he's the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things are created through him and for him. So there's the kingship idea coming back in. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Then in everything, he might be preeminent. Here, here we go again. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ. So as the the prophet the things that he is revealing, um, he's not a secondary source. He's a primary source. So all these things about God that, that you wonder, one guy, wonder what, he, what, he, what would he think? What would he, how would he act? Um, you just look, look at Jesus. I mean, it's just that simple. What would Jesus do? That's where it came from. I mean, it's, that's literally it. Um, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Okay, we've been pulling things out of that text a lot. So twice in those five verses, um, Paul points out the fact that Jesus was the image of God and the fullness of God dwelled in him. Me, we're just going to throw these other ones up there so you don't have to flip to it. In Hebrews 1, this uh, is what it says in verse 3, He's the, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the, world, by the word of his power. Okay, But look at that the exact imprint of his nature. I mean, can you get any more like specific than that? The exact imprint of his nature, all right? Now, let's look at one more. Um, this is in John chapter 1. You usually read this at Christmas. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known, okay? So there's this, there's this sort of theme that's developing, um, and it's something that uh, the New Testament writers were constantly trying to convey to everyone is that Jesus was not just a guy. He was not just um, a really good teacher or he was not just any old prophet. He was the prophet. In the Old Testament, there's all this foreshadowing and sometimes like it's not even like they're not even hinting. I mean, it's directly like there is a there's another prophet who is coming. And he's greater than all of us. Like He's the one. He's the prophet that you're waiting on. And that that's Jesus. That's what they're trying to convey so much. Um, so. When in this, these three weeks, we're looking at Jesus being the remedy for something. So as the king, he was the remedy for our complete corruption, and he has com- exercises complete authority over every bit of that corruption. Um, tonight, um, Jesus is the remedy for our ignorance. That when God created the world, and there's Adam and there's Eve, they had this knowledge of God. They knew who he was. He walked in the garden with them. Um, they knew the truth about him. Because he was right I mean he was right there. There was no sin in the world there was there was there's no lies to believe yet. so they had this knowledge and their knowledge was true. And then what happens in the fall is they basically believe a lie about God. They start treating this lie like it's truth. And so that's when this this ignorance comes in. It's not ignorance in the sense that that they were stupid or that they were um, you know whatever it's the fact that they literally, did not know what the truth was, and they had believed something that was false. So, you know, today, when if, if we see someone who is making all these, you know, racist statements and stuff, and we say that they're ignorant, um, sometimes people say ignorant meaning they're stupid. But what they really are, are saying is they're, they're ignorant to the fact that at some point along the way they have come to believe the lie that someone's worth and value is determined by their race, and that certain races are superior to other races. That's the lie that they have believed. So they are ignorant to the, to the truth, which is that everybody was created in the image of God, and that stuff doesn't really matter. They're ignorant to that truth, and they believe this lie, and they built their entire lives, not their entire lives, but so much of their lives in this particular area based on this lie to where now it has become true to them. That's the kind of ignorance that we're talking about. So Adam goes from this really completely accurate knowledge of God to believing this lie when, the, when Satan came and said, oh, no, that's not really what's going on. You're pretty smart. You have your own ideas. God just didn't want you to eat of that tree because then you'll be like him. And there's this hidden agenda, and God's trying to keep this stuff from you because he didn't want any rivals. You know, there's all these things that lie beneath the surface. So believing that lie, they eat of the fruit, and then sin enters into the world and whatever. And so there's this ignorance that we're all born into, that we, we don't know the truth about God, and we don't know the truth about who we are because we have believed these lies, lies that have been passed down and taught and whatever so as the prophet um, Jesus comes and a part of what he does is he tells the truth about who God is but he doesn't have to come and give these sermons to tell about it he, he is him he is God so in everything he does he's revealing the truth about who God is so yes Sermon on the Mount absolutely reveals the truth about God but also um, when just by his own actions the little things that he does the beautiful little stories that we read in the New Testament about Jesus. And it's just this just, amazing just sense of kindness and, and grace and all this stuff about him. He's just constantly revealing that this is who God is. This is who God is. This is the truth. You've been born um, ignorant to the truth about God, so I, as the, as the prophet, God himself, am going to tell you what the truth is. And so... What we're able to do is we're able to respond to the truth as revealed by Christ. And that's how it works. So you, you go go to the Cookie Project, and there are these kids in Honduras who were born ignorant of the truth of who God is. Maybe they've been maybe they have received a little bit of truth, and maybe you know whatever, but they truly don't know who He is until Jesus's message comes in and says, no, this is, this is who God is. That's why they go and that's why they bake cookies. That's why we go to Mexico. That's why our, summer, our people who go and do missions in different parts of the world go and do that. And we're trying to take that message as a part of the continued revelation of the truth of who God is because people are born just not really knowing. Him. So that's one thing he does. He reveals this truth. This is, this is who God is. And that in and of itself is, is pretty massive. Because if we if we think about it, I mean, Jesus was he was kind and he was gracious, but there was every now and then he was pretty pretty rough on them. Every now and then you're like, whoa, that that same Jesus that was saying, "Let the children come to me," was just turning the tables over and calling people snakes. Mm-hmm. That we see the grace and the love of God, but we also see like the justice of God. We see God's opposition to sin. We see the, the priorities of God. We see um, the holiness of God. We see all these things about God through the way that Jesus lives. And that's the truth. I mean, that's who, that's who God is. That God loves you enough to hurt your feelings sometimes. We like to think, oh, Jesus is my buddy. Jesus is, oh, he just gives hugs and high fives and all this kind of stuff. Sometimes he gives a punch in the face. And hopefully, not literally. But we see it. You look in Matthew 11 or Matthew 23, Matthew 11, he's given, it's, they're called woes to these cities. Three cities where he did the most miracles. They make this little triangle. It's on the north end of, of the Sea of Galilee. This One of them was considered his hometown. These others, they were in walking distance. And so, so many of his miracles were done in, in these towns. And he just rips them. And he says, woe to you. And woe is not, uh, I mean, that's a term of, of grief. See, I, I think we kind of get in our head like prophets, they, they deliver like bad news you know, repent for the kingdom is near and like this stuff. And it, But you almost kind of, I think sometimes get a feeling that like they enjoy it. You know, like they like being the like one who's going to bring condemnation and judgment down on people. And sometimes it's just because they're so good at it, you know, because their language is like, wow, that's pretty graphic. But I don't think that they enjoyed it. Because when Jesus says, woe to you, Capernaum, that's a statement of, of grief. He's saying, it, and he says it, if you were to read it, it says, if, if the same miracles had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have definitely repented. So you're talking Sin City would have repented if those same miracles had been done there, but yet in his own hometown, people just don't even care. And that grieves him. But as the prophet, he's the one that brings the tough news. That he loves and cares for them enough to say, look, this is killing you. That's that's who God is, yes. God is, He is hugs. He is high fives. He is also punches in the face when you need it. It's like a it's like a parent. Parents affirm and they encourage, but they also discipline. And it's also kind of like um, kind of got to talk about it. At, at, I try to work this into every wedding that I do. Um, because biblically, if you look at Ephesians five, the husband should be the most accurate picture of Christ that the wife ever sees. So, all the wives in here, um, if you ever go through like periods of insecurity in your relationship with God, and you're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder how, I wonder how God feels about me. I wonder how God, if He's upset with me. I want, you know, I don't, I don't understand grace. I don't understand all this kind of stuff. You should just be able to look at the way your husband treats you, and then that should be a reflection of how God feels about you. I'm not trying to call out the husbands. I'm just saying that's what the text says. So get mad at the Bible. But but in the same sense, when we go through things and we wonder those things about God. You're like, I wonder if God is disappointed. I wonder if he is mad. I wonder if he is, you know, how he is. We can look at Jesus and figure that out. That sometimes when we feel that conviction and it's weighing on us, um, we can't dismiss it just because it's not warm and fuzzy. Sometimes it's it is Jesus, with the with the punch. That's who God is, and He came to say, "This is the truth." He came to be the remedy for our ignorance about who God is. But along the same lines, He came to reveal our ignorance about who we are. Look at um, let's turn to Matthew uh, 13. Some of this, some of the point I'm about to make, I've already made. Matthew 13. verse 44. This is Jesus the prophet, all right? The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Good stuff. 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, he's revealing this is the truth. This is what the kingdom is. This is the truth about God that you've been ignorant to. And he's revealing that and showing that as the prophet. This is also the prophet. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Kind of shifts gears a little bit, doesn't he? See, he reveals the truth about God, but he also reveals the truth about us and our condition. We go from from being in a place of like really being ignorant to that. And he's the one that, like, that shines that light on things, that illumination into our real condition. So when someone comes to know Christ in that moment, when they realize that he's been pursuing them, um, and they realize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, that realization is because Christ has come and has revealed the truth of who they are. So if you think to that point in your life, if you can put a finger on it, sometimes you can't, and that's okay. But the fact that that happened in your life is because Jesus the prophet showed up. And he said, this is the truth about who God is, and this is the truth about who you are. And those two things are very intimately connected. We respond to that in faith. See, Jesus is not afraid to tell you, hey, um, that's killing you hey, this pattern of behavior needs to stop. It's wrong, and you know it. He's not afraid to tell you that. He's not afraid to tell me that. I read somewhere this week, I forget who who wrote it, but they just kept saying, Jesus is not afraid to hurt your feelings. I just keep thinking about that. I want him to be that guy who doesn't want to hurt my feelings, just wants to give me a hug and say it's going to be okay. That's... That's Jesus the priest. That's coming next week. But Jesus the king, who has authority over things, um, he's like, look, I'm going to take over authority over this, but Jesus the prophet is the one that's going to come in and shine a light on it and say, this is is why there's some authority that's needed. So yeah, that happens when when we are saved, but that happens every single day of our lives. Jesus says in in John 16 that he's going to send the spirit the Spirit is just going to say what He tells Him to say. And if the Spirit's job is to convict, like, oh, okay. So in those moments when we're realizing, this is killing me, and you just feel the presence of God, and He's he, he puts His finger on the area of your life and just starts pressing in, that's Jesus the prophet saying, this is the truth. This is killing you. And now you know it, because I just showed it to you. Now you are accountable because the prophet has spoken into that situation. And once the prophet has spoken, you realize that the priest has made reconciliation, and the king comes in takes authority and says, now let's deal with this. See, it's, it's all those things together. That's a part of what I think God's trying to shape in us even more, is an understanding that all those things about Christ They're not all in the past. That when when Easter Sunday comes and we celebrate what he did on the cross, that that, in more ways than we realize, that just continues on and on and on and on. So yeah, we need him, the king, but we also need him, the prophet. We like the king. We like the priest. We don't like the prophet, because the prophet sometimes brings us news we don't like. And what's interesting is that we, in each of those ways, we join him. We join him as king in different ways of authority now we're under him but there's authority that we're able to take and we join him as priest but sometimes we join him as prophet that means as we go and we live life and we've talked about ministry to others and that's what we're getting into big time with community groups and we're digging into some stuff that's a part of what we do is we bring the truth about God and the truth about humanity into people's lives and sometimes that is so weird sometimes it's just weird But we can't be afraid when you see that someone's based their belief system on a lie. What would the prophet do? Prophet would tell them the truth. That's how lies get destroyed with truth every time. So if someone was making incredibly racist statements, you wouldn't just walk away from them, right? You'd tell them the truth. Hopefully, right? Same thing. So we join Christ in his ministry as prophet to other people. We also join him in his ministry as prophet within the church as well. We're going to talk about that in community groups this week a little bit. But how we're the ones that sometimes are called to look our friends in the eye and say, this isn't cool. This is killing you or something is wearing you out I need to know what it is as your as your friend I'm not sure what, what's more weird being a prophet to people outside the church or pe- being a prophet to people people inside the church but we need him as our prophet in our lives and we need to be willing to join him as prophet in the lives of others no matter what I think tonight, for the thing for us to dig into really is to ask ourselves what what is our prophet telling us? What is Jesus, your prophet, telling you about your life? Because we don't throw priest out the window. We don't. That's that's compassion. That's standing in the gap. That's reconciliation. We don't throw. The king out the window because that's the authority that's going to help us deal with what the prophet's revealing. But we can't just put our fingers in our ears and pretend like the prophet's not telling us, hey, this has got to change. And I don't know in your life what that has, you know, I don't know how it fits in. The question I have to ask myself is, what is, I'll claim him, what is Jesus, my prophet, saying about my life right now? Where in my life is he putting his finger and starting to press in and saying, this, this has got to stop. This has got to change. And if I really humble myself and open up and say, speak to me about this. And I keep the priest in mind and I keep the king in mind. If I'm looking at Jesus through that through that lens of all those things going on, I'm not nearly as panicked. I If I continue to ignore the voice of my prophet, I'm just setting myself up for pain and struggle and ineffectiveness and whatever. So I I don't know where this fits into things. But he does, and he'll tell you if you'll have the courage to ask him. So, yeah, let me pray for us. God um it's humbling to, to think that you just give a rip it really is like it's it's hard to I think comprehend how much you care and just that you care and why you care but we know that you do because we see it revealed through scripture through your very life and as as our prophet who is not afraid to tell us the truth, and I pray that we would humble ourselves and open up to um, to whatever it is you want to speak. So you would continue to teach us the truth about God, about ourselves. If our feelings need to be hurt, then hurt them. If we need a punch, punch us. If the truth that needs to be revealed is that we're beating ourselves up about something that you've forgotten about a long time ago say that i mean whatever it is good or bad i pray god that you would just speak clearly we thank you for your goodness and as our prophet you always do what is good and what is best that so we don't have to question your motives. And God, that you have returned us to that Garden of Eden kind of knowledge of who you really are. We thank you for that truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.